1: Hello and welcome to Germany in Focus, a news podcast made possible by members of The Local. This week, we're talking about Germany's plans to bring back getting sick notes over the phone and the culture of taking time off when you're ill. With the immigration reform being voted on by MPs, We'll talk about the latest changes that could be good news for future job seekers. Paying tax is something none of us can avoid. So we'll talk about what you need to know about taxes in Germany in 2023 and some of the deductions to definitely try and get. And what's the effect of Brexit been on Brits living in Germany or those who want to come here? We'll talk about some of the issues with that and hear from a couple who moved from London to Berlin at the end of last year. Lastly, we'll talk about some alternative summer activities to do in Germany if you're looking for inspiration on how to spend your days off or your holidays here. I'm Rachel Oxen, and I'm in Berlin today with journalists Rachel Stern and Imogen Goodman. Hello, very nice to have you both here.
2: Hi. Hi, oh, yeah, it's great to be here in this uh, rather hot <laughs> little podcast booth with you guys.
3: Hi, Rach. Hi, Imogen. It's great being back here with you. I'm starting to sweat a bit in this booth, but let's just embrace it because we're in the middle of summer, proper summer.
1: We are. Nice to see you both. And guys, by the way, I did actually arrive here at the podcast booth wearing trousers, but I had to get changed into shorts when I arrived. I don't know if it's allowed to be wearing shorts at work in Germany, shorts and flip-flops, but
2: it was just too hot. I think you can be informal with us. I think we're okay with it. I would say maybe socks and sandals maybe no i think we've got a ban on that the okay. local but uh, but if it's just sandals and shorts i think that's i think that's
3: fine it's acceptable <laughs> it's acceptable. office attire i think so <laughs> with this weather maybe if we were in the offices of a bank in stuttgart we might need to upgrade the attire a little bit but for berlin and a podcast booth it's all right
1: Let's talk about what's been in the news this week. So the German health minister, Karl Lauterbach, wants to bring back being able to get a sick note over the phone in Germany. This measure was in place for people with respiratory illnesses like COVID-19 or a cold during most of the pandemic because it eased pressure on doctors and helped with stopping the spread of infections. But at the moment, once again, you have to go into the doctor's office or do a video call, if your doctor allows it, to get a krankschreibung or a sick note to take time off work. Rachel, what changes does the health ministry want to see on getting a sick note in Germany?
3: So the health ministry wants to make it easier, again, for people to get a sick note over the phone. And this time around, they would be able to get one for all sorts of respiratory illnesses or even a longer-term illness. And so the draft law will stipulate, however, that the patient is known to the practice um, in order for the practice to issue the note over the phone. And it's not clear if known or bekannt in the German legislation means that it's a regular patient or a patient that's been to the practice a couple of times. But in any case, if it's just somebody who wants to contact a doctor for the first time, they will indeed have to go into that doctor's office. So if you have a house arts, a regular doctor that you go to, then you're set in order just to um, give them a call and explain what's going on and then ideally get a sick note if you need one.
1: Okay. And when do they think that this
3: will be in place? So the draft law says that it will be in place hopefully by the next um, cold and flu season. And so it's likely that that would be at the start of this autumn. Cool. And so what is the law
1: around getting a sick note in Germany? Do you actually need one?
3: In most cases, you do. So if you just have a common cold or fever even and you need to take a day or two off work, then uh, in most cases, you can just call your employer and let them know and you don't have to go to a doctor. But if you're out sick for three days or longer, you indeed do need a sick note or a krankschreibung in german and you'll be able to actually get up to six weeks off which your employer pays for and then after six weeks um, the insurance will kick in and they'll pay for your krankenstand or your sick leave for um, up to six months at 70 percent of your pay
1: Okay, that's good to know. And one thing that surprised me about living in Germany is the culture around taking time off work when you're sick compared to that in the UK. So in the UK, it's more common to battle through an illness and just work. Whereas in Germany, people tend to take time off when they're even just a little bit sick. What do you both think about that?
2: Yeah, honestly, I really appreciate this sensible culture that they have here around not working when you're ill. And I'd say also, even though it's probably the last thing you want to think about when you're in bed with the flu or, you know, a cold or whatever, it is quite good that you have this doctor's note system, because often what that means is that rather than telling yourself, OK, I'm fit enough, you know, even though you're on your deathbed, you're I'm, I'm, I'm definitely need to finish that project. (laughs) Often doctors will give you a reasonable and fair amount of time to really recover, make sure you're fully in a fit state to go back to work. Uh, The other thing I think is really great is that you don't have this limitation on sick days. This is definitely a thing in the UK, which I find a little bit absurd because people generally can't choose how long they're ill for. You know, there are people who might have burnout or a long term condition, which really means that they are not able to work for that longer period of time. I've generally heard of cases anecdotally in the UK where people are put on absolutely meager sick pay um, when they've got burnout or depression. And that's financial worries added to their sickness as well. And personally, I think that's something that shouldn't be allowed to happen. And I'm thrilled that it doesn't happen here.
3: Yeah. And it sounds like there are quite a lot of parallels between the UK and the US. Unfortunately, in the US, there's kind of this pride and so-called presenteeism or the idea of working while sick to prove that you're a diligent worker, both to yourself and to your co-workers. However, Germans have another word for that, which would be foolish because they believe that if you go to work when you're sick, then you're only going to get sicker. You're likely going to infect your colleagues and it will be bad for everybody. So I like to tell people that going to work while sick is a little bit like the law of diminishing returns in the sense if you put more fertilizer and a plant, hoping that the plant will just grow, then in the end it dies because it's a little (laughs) bit too much. So I think that Germans have this attitude of you really need to kick back and relax. And when you do return to work, you're really ready to go back to work.
1: You guys are true Germans. I love it. (laughs) Thank you so much for that. Okay, let's move on. Germany is pushing ahead with a huge reform of immigration laws. We've talked about this in previous episodes, but today we're giving the latest update because the draft law is going through the Bundestag. That's the German parliament. In fact, if it all goes to plan, it will have been voted on by the time you hear this. So there are a few changes that we're going to talk about today. Imogen, what do we know about the latest draft of this modernization of immigration laws?
2: Well... We have spoken quite a lot in the past about a really key feature of this new skilled immigration law. And that is the Schonsenkarte or the Opportunity Card, um, which is a special kind of points-based permit, which is for qualified workers who want to come to Germany and look for work, but don't necessarily have a job offer lined up just yet. So to be brief... To get one of these one-year permits, you generally have to get at least six points out of 10. They're given out for things like German language skills, your age, professional experience and qualifications, and also potential links to Germany if you've lived here, if you have contacts here, that kind of thing. So in the latest draft of the law, uh, there have been quite a, key, a few key changes to this and Carter, and that's mainly in terms of the prerequisites you need to be eligible to apply. So basically, if you do want to apply, you need to have a professional qualification or degree and either A2 German or B2 English. This is actually a step down uh, from the minimum language requirements uh, that they previously set out, uh, which were either B1 German or C1 English. There is good news for people with slightly better language skills, though. Uh, If you do have either B1 or B2 German, you can get either two or three points for that. And you can now also pick up a point for having C1 English, uh, which is another key change in the latest draft of the bill. There's another piece of good news in the latest draft, which is that this chance in Carter can now be extended for up to two years if you do sign an employment contract. And for people who would like to come to Germany through the blue card route, we've also learned that the salary threshold will be reduced to 3,500 gross. So that's before tax per month. At the moment, it's almost five grand per month in most cases. So this really opens the door for people who are just starting out in their career and maybe not able to get those really high salaries just yet.
1: That is really good news. Really good to know, actually. This law is, of course, aimed at attracting skilled workers from abroad. But what are politicians saying about fostering talent within Germany, Rachel, and also when it comes to asylum seekers?
3: So, Rachel, as part of this reform, the coalition government wants to grow the talent pool, which is already in Germany, and young people who can't find in company training or Ausbildung um, should be offered uh, training outside of the company according to the draft. And there will also be a so called mobility bonus, which would make it easier for people to accept training places that are a bit further away. And then as far as asylum seekers go, right now, when they come to Germany, they're not automatically entitled to work. But as we all know, Germany has quite a shortage of jobs in some fields. And so one of the notable changes introduced by the Greens in this legislation would be granting asylum seekers um, a so-called change of track, which would easily allow them to stay in the country for work purposes. And as soon as they receive a job offer, they would basically be able to take up the job without going through the typical bureaucracy.
2: Yeah, this is a really interesting change here from the Greens, um, because you often hear that these two conversations about migration happening kind of parallel to one another. So the first conversation is that we have this huge Fachkräftemangel or skilled worker shortage. and We desperately need people to come to Germany. And the second is how are we going to cope with all of these refugees who are seeking protection here? So finally, it does seem like the penny has dropped and that one solution could be to give asylum seekers a route to enter society and earn a living. Anecdotally, I do get the feeling that a lot of refugees are really keen to either give something back or simply just resume their old professions that they had in their home country. So I just think that this is an absolute no-brainer there, and I'm glad that this has been added to the law.
1: Definitely. It sounds like they're really going to ease some red tape. So I I hope that does happen in reality.
2: Absolutely. Let's hope so.
1: And what are the next steps for this law then?
2: Well, as you say, this is scheduled to go to the Bundestag this week. So Thursday morning, we're thinking there'll be a vote and we're imagining that that will have passed by the time this podcast comes out. Then the next step will be for it to be passed by the Bundesrat. So that's the upper house uh, of the German parliament. And they next uh, sit on July 7th. So just before parliament dissolves for the summer break. Then this final step is for the law to be signed off by the president and then enter into law. Uh, So we should see all of this become a reality in Germany in the coming months, if all goes to plan. Really, one important thing to know is that the FDP have really been setting the timeline on all of these immigration reforms. So their priority was to tackle illegal immigration. And this skilled worker bill has really been their pet project as well as we know, the third key migration reform is the citizenship bill. So now this is looking like it's going to pass in the coming days and coming weeks. That could be good news for moving that citizenship law one step further ahead. And that's now the time, hopefully, that this will will start to see some movement on that.
1: So this is kind of maybe a bit like a stepping stone towards the citizenship law, if that's what you've got your
2: eye on. Absolutely. I think even if you're not too interested in the skilled work and migration, we know that we're now hopefully one step closer to dual nationality and all those other exciting reforms that are coming.
1: Thanks so much for that, guys. And we will, of course, provide links to the stories and updates in the show notes. Let's now get into a practical topic that affects everyone living in Germany. It may not be the sexiest subject, but we all need to be aware of it. I'm talking about taxes There are a few changes that you need to know about this year when it comes to tax declarations. Rachel, first of all, who needs
3: to submit a tax return in Germany? So, Rachel, self-employed people always need to submit a tax return. Employees who have extra income, so if they are renting out a place, if they have wage replacement benefits like Quadsarbeit, then they technically don't need to submit a tax return because the taxes are automatically deducted every month by their employer. However, it's recommended that they file a tax return because there's a lot of benefits and special deductions that they can take out that they don't want to miss out on. What are the changes that people
1: should know about this year?
3: So first of all, there are some new deadlines which were imposed during the corona times um, to give both the filers a bit more time, as well as the Steueramt, um, the tax office, more time to process all of these returns. So if you're filing taxes yourself, um, you have until October 2nd this year. And if you're working with a tax advisor um, you'll get a bit of breathing room because you don't have to file a return until July 31st of 2024. Um, and I should also say, if, if you fall into this category of people who don't have to submit a tax return, um, you actually have until four years if you're just submitting a return because you want to um, take advantage of some of these benefits and um, get money back.
1: This is for your taxes for 2022, right? For submitting. You, the deadlines is this year, but it's for your te-
3: your the money you earned last year. Exactly. That's right. So this is for the tax year 2022. And all of the other changes basically revolve around uh, increased deductions that you can take. So almost every single deduction that you're able to claim has been increased this year.
1: Good to know. Are there any specific tax breaks in Germany that you would really recommend people get familiar with?
3: So this is a bit of a tricky one because probably a whole catalogue could be written and I'm sure there is one somewhere. But one thing that I like to point out is that if you have children, for example, there are a lot of tax breaks, not just the obvious ones like the Kinderfreiebetrag, which is just a normal tax deductible amount, but also things like childcare costs Um, tuition, even including extra fees that you pay for Akita, and single parents even have um, a tax-deductible amount of over €4,000, which they can take from their salary to help them with the extra cost. And on top of that, there's a commuter benefit for Employees And a lot of people think this applies just if you're driving to work or even taking the train, but it also applies if you're biking or walking, and that's based on the number of kilometers that you travel every day.
1: Let's move on now and talk about Brexit. Actually, this week it is the seven year anniversary of when the UK voted to leave the EU. That took place on June 23rd, 2016. It's hard to believe it's been that long. One of the many consequences of this decision is that people choosing to travel or live in an EU country like Germany now face a very different experience. In Germany, British residents living there before the Brexit transition period ended on January 1st, 2021 were told their rights to stay in the country were guaranteed. Meanwhile, Brits moving to Germany after this cutoff date have to apply for visas or permits. We'll hear from a couple who moved to Berlin from London around six months ago soon. But first, let's talk about the effects of Brexit on British residents who were already in Germany. Imogen, has it all been smooth sailing?
2: Yeah, well, that would be the ideal scenario. But no, unfortunately, as with most things involving Brexit, things haven't been quite as smooth as they could have been and as perhaps we were promised. One major issue back in 2021, so right at the start of Brexit, was that there was this big lag uh, between when the transition period ended and people lost their f- free movement and people actually getting granted this residence document that they needed to prove their rights. So that meant that people had all sorts of problems traveling between the UK and Germany, getting their passport stamped at the border, for instance. Um, I remember there was a particularly bad Christmas when Christmas was in 2020 before the cutoff date. And in New Year, when people are traveling back, they came back and found that they were having all sorts of issues at the border. There were also cases of employers suddenly demanding to see a residence permit uh, from their employees who were British, even though it was obvious that they had been there before the cutoff date, so were eligible to stay. Um, I believe the Federal Office for Migration actually had to send around a memo telling people not to do this and to give people time at least to get this card. On the more positive side, one good thing that Germany did do was it opted for what's known as a declaratory system. So that basically means that instead of applying uh, for this kind of permit or document, your rights are kind of automatically applied. You just have to declare that you're there and prove that you've taken advantage of these free movement rights before Brexit. That said, again, you know, there has been a general trend of confusion, of withdrawal agreements, rights not always being understood. And really, sometimes it has been a postcode lottery. Depending on who you get, you might get a different application of the rules.
1: So British people were guaranteed their pre-Brexit rights to stay in Germany under the withdrawal agreement, as you've said. Why do they have to get a residence permit or do they not
2: need it? Well, yeah, the short answer would be that they don't need it. But unfortunately, that is a little bit misleading. Uh, So basically under the withdrawal agreement, uh, Brits who exercised their free movement rights before the cutoff day, which means kind of moving to Germany for a specific purpose, they're essentially treated the same way as EU citizens living in Germany under EU law. So that means they can live here as long as they like. It means they can work, they can study, they can claim benefits, they can bring family members over to Germany, all of that good stuff. But unfortunately, of course, we no longer have onward free movement rights or the right to vote in EU elections. So a lawyer might tell you that these rights are technically there regardless of whether you have this little card or not. But if you don't have the card, they are incredibly difficult to prove to people like employers, uh, border guards or just the authorities, So that means it is definitely worth making sure that you do have this, this proof of your rights and that it's fully up to date. I'd also say that if you were here for less than five years when the transition period ended, and have now been here for more than five years, it's worth getting an appointment to get a new updated card. That is because uh, people who've been here for less than five years can only stay out of the country for up to six months, whereas those more long-term residents can stay out of Germany for up to five years without losing their rights.
1: Brits around Europe had to fight quite hard to secure their rights after Brexit. Are there still groups campaigning for British people in Germany? Are there still problems for people?
2: Yeah. Well, this is actually pretty interesting. If you are British, you do live in Germany and you were here before Brexit, you may remember these two big groups. So there was British in Europe and there was their subgroup uh, in Germany, British in Germany. They're basically a, a citizens' rights campaign group, and they were—they had a lot of influence on the withdrawal agreement process, and were really kind of lobbying for for British rights after Brexit. Basically, they have gone a bit quiet over the past few years. It's kind of felt like things have been done and dusted, and there were big questions about: well, do they continue? Are they now defunct? Uh, but actually, back in autumn last year, British and Germany did decide that they want to keep going. And that is exactly because there are plenty of issues that are really still affecting the lives of Brits in Germany. So one, of course, an obvious one would be the dual nationality issue. Some people were able to get dual nationality before this cutoff date. And since then, the rules have changed. So Brit- British and Germany are quite keen to kind of push for these changes to go through. But also, and perhaps, you know, more worrying, there are these continued issues with withdrawal agreement rights. So one major one is that, you know, people may have applied too late, so after the deadline, or they may have situations that just uh, fall through the net somehow, that they are told that, well, actually, your income isn't high enough. And actually, you do have to go. Your rights aren't guaranteed. Another major issue is to do with this period of absence that you're allowed to have. As I said, either six months or five years, quite a big difference. And so we're finding or we're hearing that there are a few, few and far far between. There are cases um, where there have been quite serious, perhaps misinterpretations of these of these rules and that this still generally isn't really understood by the authorities. So that's something that is still an issue being faced by Brits after Brexit.
1: That is interesting, Imogen, because the German government really did emphasize that every British person who was here before the cutoff date in Germany would be allowed to stay without any problems.
2: That's absolutely right. Um, I think, you know, again, this declaratory system, really a, a positive move by the German government. But then again, you know, there are conditions attached to it that I think you would have to be a lawyer to probably understand. So when most people here come before Brexit and you can stay, that's what they think the case is. Unfortunately, we have heard that there are cases where that hasn't happened um, and people have really been put in this stressful situation where the future they thought they had is suddenly really uncertain.
1: Yeah, I can imagine For British people who want to come to Germany now, obviously gone are the days when you could just get on a plane, come and hope for the best. That's what I did basically. If you do want to stay longer than three months now, you have to fulfill requirements, right?
2: Yeah, you're absolutely right. Um, And you can maybe think of it as similar to moving from Australia or the United States, which are other countries that have this deal where you can come to Germany on a tourist visa or basically visa waiver program for up to 90 days, um, but will need a permit for longer stays and of course to work here. The rule of thumb is that you'll need to have a specific purpose to move to Germany. So that might be family reunification, working, studying, freelancing, and then you'll have to apply for the relevant visa. I'd say that for those in employment or a really clear purpose, it's probably not too tricky. But in terms of flexibility and people with slightly more interesting, shall we say, kind of life situations, it is a lot harder. Uh, So for example, in my case, I came here as a student, but then freelanced on the side, I also took up a student job at one point and I did take quite a while to finish my MA as well as I was doing all these sort of things on the side. So that freedom that I had to kind of hop around between different things, that's going to be much harder now for people who have to apply for their specific visa and then comply with a whole range of conditions that are attached to that
1: you've summed it up well there that freedom obviously it was the freedom of movement wasn't it and the freedom to hop around maybe you did get freelance for a bit get a job that was what it was like back then
2: definitely I think it attracted perhaps also maybe a different type of person (laughs) I don't know if that's that's the type of person that Germany wants to attract whether they just want people who have got their sort of steady career but I think you know it hopes for young people artists freelancers all sorts of people who are more in these gray zones and tend to maybe need a bit longer to figure out what they're doing.
1: Yeah, but look at you. You're going to become German soon. So, you know, you're a great example.
2: Open free movement to to everybody, guys. (laughs) (laughs) You'll get people like me.
4: (laughs) Ryan Reynolds here
0: from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices
1: That's great. Thank you so much for that update, Imogen. Let's hear now from a British couple who moved to Berlin from London in November 2022. Joe Silverman and Ryan Corliss, who are both 30 and work for NGOs and are regular listeners of the podcast, talked about the process of moving to Berlin post Brexit. I started off by asking Ryan about the most difficult part of the experience.
0: I would say, for me, having in my mind that before Brexit, all of this would have been so much easier. I think it's a little bit difficult not to be resentful thinking of all of this paperwork. This is something that I have to do that previously I wouldn't have had to do, which is quite frustrating.
4: Yeah, and I think seeing, as Ryan said, other Europeans just sort of arrive here and just be able to get a job instantly, um, and knowing that we were able to do that a few years ago It is a little annoying, but I guess, I mean, ultimately, it's possible still, and we managed to do it, but it does create extra barriers to moving here.
1: You both moved to Berlin without a job. Ryan, what were the visas or permits you needed, and was it difficult to find a job?
0: Yeah, so as Brits, we are allowed to to come to Germany on a Schengen tourism visa. So this lasts for 90 days. And then while you are in Germany, you're allowed to search for a job, perhaps under the radar, because you're not allowed to work on the tourism visa. So, I mean, the, the first three months went in a blur, and I was searching for jobs, applying, and I didn't manage to get a job in the first three months. So I had to apply for a job seekers visa. So this gives you an extension of six months. So to get this specific visa, you need to have a university degree, You need to have a certain amount of money in your bank account, which changes month by month, year by year. And you also need to have health insurance. So remember, you aren't covered in Germany. So it's a lot of bureaucracy, but it's also achievable. And then once you have found a job, you can convert your job seekers temporary visa into something a bit more substantial.
1: Did you find the process quite difficult, Joe, or was there lots of information out there?
4: Yeah, it's not as difficult as I thought it would be, if I'm being honest. There are a lot of good websites out there. And once you just make a list of everything you need, really... I'd advise people to do that make that list make sure that you get everything in order so you have all the documents that you need ready and in place before you go to the visa office because you don't want to go missing one document and there are quite a few different forms and different documents that you do need to bring with you.
1: Do you think many people are put off from moving from the UK to Germany now because they know that there are these hurdles you have to jump?
0: I think definitely before Brexit you could just hop on a plane find any job you wanted you didn't have to worry about all of this paperwork and i think there definitely is this brexit barrier in a lot of people's heads that makes them think this isn't something that's possible for us now but absolutely it is possible from my experience it was relatively straightforward as long as you find the right guides you have to embrace the paper analog german universe and once you've done that it's plain sailing. So if there's any advice to your listeners
4: from the UK, don't let it put you off. It's still possible. I would also add to that, I think one thing that I didn't fully comprehend as well is it's not possible, I believe now, to move to Germany as a Brit and, for example, work in a cafe or in a more sort of informal job. Um, so the visas that we have are called academic work visas. And you need to have a degree to then find a job and that job has to be generally related to your degree
1: really really good to know guys and i have to ask you are you glad that you made the move here do you have any regrets are you happy here
0: absolutely i love living in germany i live in berlin it's a great city i've really embraced the german asparagus season i am opening all my windows ventilating the houses in true german fashion and yeah just completely embracing the lifestyle here it's it's a it's a very livable country
4: yeah i would agree completely with that although i'm less of a fan of asparagus than lion um i think we we probably moved <laughs> at the worst time to move to berlin we moved early november last year so it's the start of the cold berlin winter and that was during the time that we had to find a job find a house uh, meet people and um, at times that <laughs> became a little difficult however As you know now, we are right in the heart of the Berlin summer, which is amazing. So we have no regrets at all. It's absolutely lovely here. And luckily, we have a job, so we don't have to worry about work permits or anything of that nature for at least a year and a half, which is very helpful.
1: Good to hear from Joe Silverman and Ryan Corliss there. Okay, we're on to our last talking point of the day. So we have previously talked about how great getting out into the lakes and the, the open-air pools in Germany is. But today, I thought we could consider some alternative summer activities to be doing if you just don't fancy all of that German sport machen swimming in lakes, hiking, etc. So guys, let's consider some other summer activities that you can do. So I'm going to start us off, my tip for enjoying summer in Germany with a slightly different, more low-key activity is to go to the Freiluftkino or the open-air cinema. This is a really lovely experience for the light nights. You can watch a film after the sun has gone down, so it's a bit cooler if it's if it's a hot day. And it kind of feels like an American drive-through cinema but without the cars because usually you're just going with your your blanket or something like that. And you're
2: in the middle of a forest or <laughs> some sort of park usually. Yeah. yeah we'll look a bit strange there in a sort yeah, of open-top exactly. vehicle.
1: Yeah, you're not it's not in a car park or something. A lot of showings in Germany are in English with German subtitles, so it's quite good if you're an English speaker. But of course, you have to check that before you go. And I honestly think it's a lovely experience in the summer months just to make the most of being outside till really late at night.
2: I love it. I love it. I was there recently, actually, over the weekend at the one near me, and that really is like a fairy tale forest glade. It is the most magical place to watch a film. And I noticed the other day, the screen they use is actually an inflatable kind of screen, um, which is, of course, because they've got to Amazing. do it in all weathers. Sometimes there are storms, but that's a great yeah. choice. I really support which
1: Which film did you see? <laughs>
2: I saw the menu, uh, oh, the, which is oh, yeah. the kind of horror in German with kind of the overdubbed into German. But it was good fun. And, you know, they always have like a tiny little imbiss where you can get like a beer and a little hot dog or, or some popcorn as well. So it's the full cinema experience. Yeah, I love that tip. I really need to go more often.
3: Yeah, it's also one of my favorite tips and summer activities, and I love how Germans will go in all weather. So I went to see sort of a German cult film at an outdoor theater um, right before there was a big monsoon-like rain, and everybody just brought their umbrellas, and when it started to pour (laughs) down, they popped them up as though nothing had happened and kept watching. (laughs) Love it. What's your tip, Rachel? So, Summer is strawberry season in Germany. And of course, you see all of these little strawberry trucks dotting all of the cities or even rural areas but one of the nice things about Germany is wherever you are in Germany, there is a strawberry field that's open to really anybody to come with a bucket and pay a certain amount to go and pick strawberries and fill their buckets to their heart's content. And some of them are really fancy, like the Hof, where, you know, they have a lot of rides and a swimming area for kids. And some of them are just idyllic rural areas where afterwards you can sit in a field with your strawberries and picnic baskets so that's always a really nice thing to do during these warmer months
2: that's lovely yeah really I would nice. love to go to one of those but I don't know if I'd look I'd look it'd be acceptable for me to go on the like strawberry teacup rice by myself <laughs> always... it's it's open for everybody. <laughs> okay great that is good to know Uh, So my tip, actually, is if you're looking for a nice family-friendly day out, maybe get the family together or friends together or a date together and go out to a wildlife park. These are basically a little bit like zoos, but much, much bigger and generally out in the countryside. So I went to one in Brandenburg, which was fantastic. Another cool option is to check out one of Germany's epic suspension bridges which are basically big wobbly walkways way up in the treetops. And the largest one of these is the Gaelai in Rhineland-Palatinate, which actually connects two villages to one another. Um, But there are others all around Germany. If you're a little bit afraid of heights, I mean, yeah, you're not I ready for say. the, you're not ready for the sort of <laughs> pro level. Um, I can tell you there are ones that are less wobbly and far lower down. I went to one in Bavaria where you could kind of walk again around the treetops on kind of ramps. And the brilliant thing about that was that you could actually walk as far as Austria. There was a little sort of line on the walkway where dividing the two countries, so that was also really lovely, kind of Schengen experience there to like hop between <laughs> two countries. Without having to show a passport, very exciting.
3: Yeah, as a Californian to this day, it still fascinates me how easy it is just to literally walk across a bridge and be in a new country.
2: It's wonderful. Yeah, I can tell everyone I've been to Austria, even though, yeah, not anywhere like Vienna, but uh, on one of these walkways, which was, which was, which was fun.
1: Really lovely, guys. I hope that that has given lots of inspiration for the summer to go and do some different things in Germany. And that's all we've got time for this week. Thank you to all our listeners. And as we've said, we will add links in the show notes for the stories we've been talking about today. And please consider signing up to become a member of the local Germany. We'd love to have you supporting our journalism and our work. This podcast couldn't be made without the support of our members. This week's panellists have been Imogen Goodman and Rachel Stern, our guests were Joe Silverman and Ryan Carlos and our sound engineer is Reese Edwards. We hope you enjoyed listening and we will be back next, next week which I think is our last one before the end of the series. So definitely tune in then. Until then, take care.